I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, June 11, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Wow. So the market got taken out behind the woodshed, shot three times, and left for dead. So what are we going to do with this thing? We're going to unpack the whole ball of wax. We're going to talk about A, where we are, where it's going. Can they recover the whole nine yards? We're going to pick it apart. We're going to look at a variety of charts. We'll look at a variety of markets. And we're also going to address a few things where traders had some questions that came in throughout the day. So rather than answer them each individually, which are basically all the same answers over and over and over again, what I'll do is I'll address some of those questions throughout the video tonight and we'll satisfy all the queries. The first thing we should do is kind of pull back a little bit, review where we were, what happened, and talk about some of the things that we did discuss And then we'll go forward from there. So if you remember, what I was looking for was the market to get up into at least 324, maybe even as high as 326, and then have a decline. Now, was it going to be a one-day decline like this? Nobody knew that going in. Maybe there was somebody out there. I certainly didn't know that this was coming, obviously. Otherwise, I would have been short and I would have told everybody about it. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Where did I go wrong? Why wasn't I short at what would be, or at least near, a very good resistance area or overhead resistance? I kept saying it's unlikely the market's going to get through this area, at least on the first shot, and you're likely to get some kind of reaction. So why wasn't I short? What's the answer to that question? The answer is very simple. There's really two answers. The first answer is, I was too picky. But let me give you the thought process, what was going on up there. Remember, today didn't exist two days ago. It didn't exist yesterday. So the mindset was different up there. So we don't get to the area that I thought the market should at least touch. Spike through, touch. Normally, under garden variety conditions, they do that. At least for me, those are the ones that produce the most successful trades. So what about the ones that come up short and then start to go sideways for a couple or three days. What about those? Well, in that scenario, what was beginning to happen before today is that the market could have certainly built energy, run sideways underneath or in and around that general zone, and they could have busted through to try and go higher. Think about the mindset again. The market came a long way. It went a lot farther than anybody could have imagined than it could off the lows from March. So why couldn't it go up another three, four, five SPY points? It could have. It certainly could have. We all know that. It didn't. That's a different story. So here's the third answer to that question. Because I was too stingy up near the highs, I was too nitpicky, what happened was I got left at the altar. They didn't give me, they didn't give anybody that was waiting a chance. Remember the scenario where I said, if we get below Friday's lows, that was last Friday's lows right up here, and the low was 317.16. We talked about this ad nauseum. If they got below Friday's lows on an hourly closing basis, 
certainly on a daily closing basis, they would likely run to fill the gap, and then there would be more scenarios while that was unfolding because everything is happening in real time. Based on what the market is doing, the next scenario emerges. So they didn't give me a chance. They basically did the thing in the middle of the night where the thieves in the middle of the night in the futures market basically steal the show. The gap was 311.36. They opened the day at 311.46, and that was all she wrote. Now, it was all she wrote from a daily chart perspective. It wasn't all she wrote from an inside-the-numbers perspective. Let's go over there real quick. We are going to circle back and get deeper into the markets. I'm not going to spend a ton of time inside the numbers. We're going to get the gist of what went on. You're going to read the stuff, and then we're going to come right back. Here's the pre-market notes from this morning. Now, what I'd like you to do is pause the video, read, and then start it again, read it again, and we'll take a look at Stocks on the Move. That's also important. And recall that what we do with Stocks on the Move a lot of times is we use them as learning opportunities. I'm going over trades from the day, and I want you folks to see what's possible inside the numbers. That's all true. However, what we're also doing is using it as an educational piece. We're using it as one of the three pillars. We have these videos each and every night. That's part of the education. We have the Lazy E-Mini Trader course. That's the foundation. You need that in order to understand how the market really works, how it operates. And then the third pillar is inside the numbers where the opportunities are presented each and every day. We'll come back to stocks on the move. Let me scroll up so you can see what what else was going on during the day. Here are the early thoughts. These are good to read. These are my thoughts early in the morning as the market's unfolding. Right, wrong, or indifferent, good, bad, or ugly. These are the morning thoughts before the day gets rolling. Let me continue on because something important shows up at 9.25. So 9.25 for those interested in a higher risk scenario. It says here, if the ES reached the overnight early morning lows of 30.86.75, that's the September contract. If you read the notes before, you'll know that we're in the process of rolling from the June contract, this is the S&P E-mini futures, over to the September. They both trade simultaneously, but when there's a roll going on, There's a difference in price in both, and sometimes you get some wacky stuff going on, I guess like today. The corresponding number in the June contract is 30.98 and a quarter. Those were the early morning lows. There should be buyers that emerge down there. 310.17 is the same low in the SPY. Could they spike it or come up short? Sure they could, but under normal garden variety conditions on an early test, there should be a bounce. In this volatility, it is higher risk, and if you're not willing to take a little pain, if need be, don't take the trade. Here's an SPY five-minute chart. After all that today, when you look back to early in the morning, the first few minutes of the day, look what happened. The low of day, in this case, was 310.01. They made a high of 312.15. Call it a $2 bounce for argument's sake, which it is. That's 20 S&P handles. And that was the trade laid out at 9.25. 9.43, traders who bought the market need to protect the trade and look to take profit at or before the gap at 3.11.36. Now, at this time, we don't know whether that's going to be the low of day or that's just an interim low. We have no idea. Let's continue on and read some more of the notes. By this time, the 
stocks on the move selections started to work out. So what it looks like at this point in time during the day is it looked like already a good day. And it was a good day for those traders that took the early trades and packed it in. And there were many, many that did that. Let's continue on and we'll see what was being said. Now here at 10 o'clock, focus on what's being said. The hourly close is necessary to see them close above the gap 311.36. This will give us two things to trade against. What are those two things? Well, for one, you have the low in that candle. And the second thing is you have the gap. Now, look at this. 10 o'clock. Read the last line under this post. If you took the morning trade in the SPY and any of the stocks on the move opportunities, you had a nice day already. Enjoy it and don't look for another trade unless one slaps you in the face. Now, the traders that were sending me emails berating me for not being short today inside the numbers or telling them to be short today inside the numbers, they didn't read that or they didn't participate in the morning. We're going to get back to the chart and we're going to talk through that in a moment. Let's continue moving along and you can read the notes. First hour in the books, bears win. So we know it's bearish. It's already down a lot and that's part of the hint why you can't short in the hole. You don't know how far it's going to go down at 10.30 in the morning. You don't know that as soon as you short the market after it's down a tremendous amount already, you don't know that you're going to be the last guy on the short side and you're going to get a big fat pie in the face. It happens all the time. You don't short in the hole unless you have some kind of a pattern developing that the market is giving you and you have something to trade against. You don't just hop on. That's a recipe for disaster nine out of ten times. We're upset that we didn't hop on or get on or be on the short side, but we don't remember all the time, all the times that we had bad trades because we tried to hop on the short side and it didn't work out. Short from a lot higher, that's fine. You're in the driver's seat. Shorting in the hole, you're already nervous getting in the trade. That's no way to run a railroad let alone a trading business. Let's continue moving along. Now from here, I'm going to give you the synopsis. I'm going to run through the notes and then we're going to look at stocks on the move. The bottom line is my objective was try and keep traders safe, keep them out of risk positions when the market is getting thrown out behind the woodshed. Later on in the day, what I did was I gave two numbers well below current price at the time A, not knowing if they got there, and B, knowing that if they got there, we were unlikely to go a lot lower. Let's go see what those numbers were, and then we'll go see what happened. There they are. So here we go, 145. For those asking, here are the numbers. Asking what? Where support is? 301.95 and 300.90 are spots. Of course, just below that, you have a big fat round number of 300. But this is what the calculator spit out. This is the math. Here's a 15-minute chart of the SPY. There are your numbers, 301.95 and 300.90. When you look at a 5-minute chart, you can see that when the market came into this area, you can see that it fought this area, but yet into the end of the day, it's just very hard to get a rally going. Who's going to buy the market at 350, 355, 345 in the afternoon? Had a little... Late day, profit taking, short covering, all that stuff. That's that little spike up here. But the bottom line is, while it was support, 
it didn't do anything. Let's continue into the end of the day. You could see the rest of the notes. Now, what we'll do is we'll take a look at stocks on the move. It was a pretty wild day across the board. You can see a long list. You can see in the entry hit column, a lot of stuff hit their targets. Instead of going over it here, what I'll do is I'll get rid of this page. We'll go back to the charts and let's just run through and then we'll see where we can learn something on one or two of the charts. The first one listed on the board was Royal Caribbean, RCL. Nice haircut. They're all getting, everything was getting a haircut at the open. So I'm going to reserve the haircut thing for another day. But look at this. The low in the first candle of the day, and this is right at the open for the most part, is 54.30. What was the number on the board? 54.58. What happened next? Runs up to 60 bucks in a matter of minutes, 20 minutes. It was redonkulous. Stocks are headed to a destination. When they get to the destination, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to turn around and go back in the other direction, or they're going to hang around for a cup of coffee. You say, what about the third thing? What happens if they cut through it like a hot knife through butter? Then it was the wrong destination, also known as I would have been wrong. How about UAL? Now, this has the same type of chart that we just saw in Royal Caribbean. The problem with UAL was it opened slightly below the entry target. The opening print today happened to be 33.26. That takes the trade off the table. Some traders hop in anyway, but that's not the way I teach it, so we just move it along. It's classified as a jump target off the board. It happens, but you can see the importance of this price area. Same rip as RCL. How about JPM? This was a different situation. It comes up short in the morning right out of the gate. 98.70 was the number. So they came up short and they started trading away. So what happens? Is the 98.70 still a valid trade? Technically, the number should work, but it's not the same trade as if it would have hit it first thing in the morning. We're looking for that type of rally that happened right out of the gate. When the stock drips into the level or grinds into the price, it's not the same environment. It's not the same risk-reward. It's not the same type of trade we would even be looking for as opposed to first thing in the morning. It just changes the setup. The one we want is the one over here that didn't happen, the one that happened in RCL. As scary as it is first thing in the morning, that's the best trade. What about the second price down at 96.78? You have to laugh a little bit. You have to scratch your head and say, I can't believe that even on a day like this, both numbers still work like a charm. It is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Now, I don't know how many traders were taking this trade at the end of the day. I wasn't one of them, but you can see what happened. Just a few minutes later, even JPM is already at high in 97.96. That's over a dollar bounce in a flash. How about Halliburton? So let's assume for a second that we're going to buy half at the first price, 12.55, and half at the second price, 12.27 which is exactly what this trader intended to do. So here's what happened. Stock opens up at 1260. Let me mention something on this. Question comes in all the time. I think it's a good teachable or learnable moment. When the stocks are hovering near the price at the opening bell, one of two things are going to happen. Either that's the market's way of telling you that's the number. They're going to hit the number and they're going to turn around and go back the other way or they're going to trade through that number, which is why they're hovering there, having no intention of stopping at that number, and you don't know which one it is. However, when you have two numbers on the board, 
you can still take a, a smaller share position or smaller share size because of that scenario. You're increasing the risk when the stock is going to open the day right above the number. It just is that way. You have to accept that fact. So if you're taking a smaller share size, half at the first number, half at the second number. So what happened to me? What was low over here? 1228. Where was my order? 1227. So I never got the second half of the position. Obviously got a nice trade out of it anyway, but it would have been double the good. If you're as old as I am, you remember the double mint twins. So here's what we did have, making a high of 13 and a quarter off of a 12.55 buy. That's a pretty good rip, no matter what. And then into the end of the day, here we go again, 12.27, boom, they finally hit it, bounced off of it anyway. The numbers work. How about OKE? And nobody ever knows how to say the name of this company. I believe it's One Oak. Nice deal this one provided. 36.17 was the number on the board. Look at what happened. Comes into the number. Rips right back in the other direction. 37.96 in a flash. Later in the day, second number. Same routine. Where do they go? Back to the first number. Think these numbers are important? You think? How about Apple? 344.35. 341.15 on the board bright and early. The first number tried to work, but it didn't work. They ended up going to the second number, which in the big scheme of things is a 300 and some odd dollar stock down $3. It's like a $30 stock down another 30 cents. It's not that big of a deal. What happened? That number worked. Where did they go? Right back to the first number. Do you think these numbers are important? Yes, they are. No matter what the market's doing, on a quiet day, we get a trade or two. On a busy day, we get a plethora of trades. You like that word, don't you? And the numbers still work. Why is that? I know my numbers. How about Alliance Data? Same routine with the come up short. The low here is 50 and a quarter. I'm at 50.16. You get the same rip everything else had, but no fill. They come into it later. You don't want that trade. It's not the same. What happens? They go to the second number. Did they come up short of the second number? 47.59 against 47.50 have a bounce and then come into it. The numbers were just off today in ADS. Back to the drawing board with Alliance data. So you get the point. The stuff works no matter what the market is doing. You have a 5% down day, whatever it is, 3, 4, 5% at any given time doesn't matter. On a big, tremendous down day, big gap down, they still work. Why is that? Because the stocks are headed to a destination. It doesn't know that the S&P 500 is down 5%. It doesn't care. Now let's circle back to something else. Let's talk about the thing where, how come you're not short today? Why didn't you get short? Well, having some positive trades early in the day, right out of the chute, was a big part of that, number one. Number two, after that happens and you have some profit in the pocket, you're not necessarily searching all day for a trade, but if something hits you, that's fine. So it's not like I'm ignoring the market. I know the numbers. The problem is my job is to help keep traders safe, even though they don't realize that's my job. Look at this from this perspective. Here's an hourly chart and they fill a gap and they come a little bit lower. Under normal garden variety conditions, this next gap down here at 308, which was mentioned in the commentary, that would have been a money play. Forget what's on the right side. Forget the fact that they cut through everything like a hot knife through butter. Just look over here. 
you have the market rallies up to this 307 or 30671 or whatever the number is. I just put an arbitrary number in there. Rallied up to this zone, then it sold off. Already it's telling you that price level is important. That's just the market feeding you back, giving you the feedback. So then they come up to it again and they bust out. You see the gap up and everything. So this is considered a former breakout area. The market couldn't get through. It had to build some energy, recock the gun. It went through. It is a breakout area. So the market's coming back to A, fill a gap, and coming back to a former breakout area. You're telling me it's going to cut through that like a hot knife through butter? Nine out of ten times, I would say that's not going to happen. Day like today, anything can happen. If the S&P was down 1%, 1.5%, one of those normal days, then we'd be buying that with both hands. Look, you can even see in the next hourly candle, they went back up to try and test that level, that price zone. The high was 306.70. What is this high here, actually? It was 306.84. So you can see the market's aware of that spot. It knows it's important. Went back to run a test, was rejected. See you later, alligator. So hopefully you could see from my perspective, when I see this and we're gapping down right to a gap that the intention, if the market was weak, getting below last Friday's low, would have been to trade to that gap. That's a different market. You have to realize what's in front of you. Now, that was a lot of stuff. Where are they going? If they're going to go lower, and they likely will go lower under normal garden variety market conditions. Why do I say that? Because this is like a shot across the bow. When you have a big down day like this, and the S&P 500 is down 170 handles, right? You have a day like that, 5%, 6% down day. That's probably not the only down day on the horizon. You know the saying, there's never just one cockroach. You can't just eat one potato chip. This is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Maybe you have a dead cat bounce tomorrow. Maybe you don't. But you see the 100 period moving average. There's another gap down there. There's more gaps down here. There's a 50 period moving average. And you also have a couple of garden variety retracements that the market isn't even at yet. So essentially there's more to go. That's basically the bottom line of what we're looking at in a rough draft format. Inside the numbers members will have refined numbers if and when we're getting there on the day we're getting there. Camp IWM. Remember, the IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. What was it doing? It was leading. It was ahead of the S&P. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about it the day before. And here you go. Here's a woodshed day. And just like that, they take away a couple of solid weeks of upside in the market. They take the escalator up, the express elevator down. The folks down at the transportation department, same routine. Look where they closed, below the convergence of those moving averages. Now, maybe there's a snapback tomorrow, maybe there's not. But if there's not, and they continue lower, right into the 50-period moving average and this gap right here. I mean, it's almost too easy. It's almost too obvious. Here's another one that was ahead of the power curve. We talked about that too. Favorite market leading indicator number two, best favorite canary in the coal mine. For good reason. Nothing wrong with the Qs, Silicon Valley, the whole nine yards. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Perpetual uptrend. NASDAQ composite hits 10,000. See you later. Where were they going? To 10,000. What was the destination? 10,000. Look at how relentless 
they went to that 10,000. Now, if you're in tune with and aware with the fact that the market is headed somewhere, if you believe in that scenario, the market's headed to a destination, let's compartmentalize that. Let's say you believe that. Now, all of a sudden, the NASDAQ is going, 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 and you say, where is this thing going? And you see right in front of you, 10,000. It's 100 points away. It's 200 points away. It becomes more obvious. Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Those big fat round numbers become magnetic. They draw price into them, which is essentially what happened here with the NASDAQ. There it is. We talked about this last night, I guess. Here was 10,000. Or they got to 10,000, I suppose, the day before. Spiked it through. Put in a doji candle. Look at this. Right into the daily chart. 20 period moving average in one fell swoop. That is remarkable. If somebody told me the market would have been down this much today, I would have been short. Back to the SPY for a second. Look, when you're up here, there was nothing telling us that this was coming. You may have felt it was coming. It may have been long overdue. I get all that stuff. But until and unless the market taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, this happened, which means there's a high probability of this thing happening, then I'm not going to guess at this thing. 25 years ago, I guessed at this thing. 20 years ago, I guessed at this thing. About that time, I stopped guessing. You turn it into a business and you take a day like today and you say, boy, boy, did I miss a good short trade today. And then you move on and you come back tomorrow and realize there's another trade right around the corner. XLF, 8%. Look at this. They're coming into the 50-period moving average. There's also a gap down here at 2190-something. I mean, just remarkable from where we were just the other day. Tomorrow will be important. How we close the week and how we open them tomorrow and how we trade them out tomorrow will be important. It'll tell us whether or not this is really the beginning of another bear phase or is it just a one-day wonder, a correction, a pullback, a little bit more than most people bargained for. However, are they going to have another rally, at least to test the most recent highs or at least make an effort, or is that it? Now, we don't know that yet one way or the other. Some of you may believe one thing or another, and I get all that. I have my own beliefs, but I don't plug my own beliefs into the market. I let the market tell me what its intentions are, and if I can't be clear or it's not telling me, I just leave it alone. Smash mouth. Baby with the bathwater like everything else. Coming into its 20-period moving average should be there any moment now. Why is that important, by the way, the 20? It's not important in and of itself, but check this out. Isn't this, wouldn't this be considered, this zone here, that's where the market basically built energy to make the last, most recent run higher that it had. So it built energy, broke out, now it's coming back to do what? Test the former breakout area happens to also coincide with the 20-period moving average. You see me do this almost every single day, and the reason I do that is because that trade works more times than not, way more times than not. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. All true and very accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost. My strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. 
subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.